The podcast about comedy, comics, and other such nonsense. I'm your host, E.R. Flynn, a cartoonist and graphic artist living here in the Pacific Northwest. In each show, I'll be discussing a topic that is related to the comics I've published on Substack. Welcome to another episode of Escape from Clown Town. In this podcast, I'm talking to a good friend who I've known for over 20 years, Mr. J.D. Michaels, a uh, advertising expert, poet, laureate, song and dance man. <laughs> but you know what? Instead of me rambling on about his uh, various wonderful attributes, I'll let him describe them himself. So over to you, J.D. Hey, thanks, Ed. Uh, I like I like song and dance, man. That's good because uh, yeah, that's good. I was born in Kansas City, and then I went to Yale University, and then I went to San Francisco. So I started in the middle, and then I went on one end of the country, and then I went to the other. And and being a black man from Kansas really was fun because it's a brand of person you can be that has a lot of expectation. And I I disappointed people on both the East and West Coast. I really was not not either black or Midwestern enough for anybody's taste, really. And so just kind of developed this sort of uh, geekitude kind of coding that later became what my my true race is, I think, uh, probably. At least I feel like I go to Comic-Con and those are my people. And and given that they don't all have the same skin color or hair or clothing or anything, uh, I, it is a, it is a mix that is best quantified by its geekitude. So yeah, that that's what I've done. And then I worked in advertising for about 25 years and I retired uh, to go on a sabbatical. And I took a sabbatical uh, some of the year of uh, 2019 to get back to work right around February of 2020. And so that worked poorly. Uh, and instead, I ended up kind of building businesses at my house. So I have a production company called the Cabs Everywhere Creative Production House that uh, helps people create anything. Uh, we've done movies and songs and books and We've uh, worked on uh, plays and uh, we've worked with school systems. Um, we've done a whole lot of stuff. And mostly it's the altruistic arm of that, the Michaels Adams uh, part. That is a collaboration with my friend Casey Adams, where we try to come up with things we can do that offset um, offset uh, idiot things that happen in the world. So if we see something bad happening, it's not about fixing it or necessarily stopping it. We're just two people, but we can offset it, you know, like recycling a can really. So we try to create something good, offset something bad. And so we've really enjoyed doing that. And we've gotten to work with some incredible people in the American disability community and in schools and uh, here in New York and Brooklyn. And it's been, it's been, it's been good uh, for a person to kind of try to uh, project smiles into an arena of darkness so yeah hmm well, that happy sentence ended up dark didn't it that just it no, did. No, it no. Just, that's just, that's great you're using positive karma to, to bring things right. back and forth in the yeah world. yeah as opposed to me which i'm all dark karma and i'm <laughs> the destroyer of worlds but you know you know there's that that's why i moved out to the northwest <laughs> to make sure new york doesn't get destroyed anymore 
Ups is strong up until 2011, 24, 8. <laughs> I have soaked. This ground has been soaked with blood. Now I must move to further. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, that's what uh, now I have my, my Vancouver uh, uh, Fortress of Solitude where I can plan all my evil schemes in my that villainy. Sounds, that sounds great. You're, so you're in Vancouver? Vancouver, Washington. Well, ah. it's just over the river from Portland. Oh, that's everybody just far makes enough. a mistake. They think, oh wow, you're Canada? Oh, Where'd you just, get to Canada? I, was I wish I was in Canada. Coward. <laughs> Come back here. You just yeah. walk over the border. It's so awesome. Come on over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Vancouver, Washington is about as close to moving back to my hometown as I could have never wanted. <laughs> being again from the midwest in kansas city i do not i do not demand a great deal uh from a hometown i think kansas city was a great hometown to grow up in but the one i grew up in is gone it was mall based uh it was a structure that apparently would work if we were all launched into space that they could just create these beige uh boxes that we would mill about in for days on end and just uh, apparently buy a lot of shoes and and so all of those malls have been destroyed not just closed destroyed like the, it's your childhood and where you had your first kiss or you went on your first date is a field now it's destroyed and i'm not sure why they needed to do that like why they couldn't turn them into something or build on them but they're all gone so yeah when i go back to kansas city it's it's the location i was born on but it's like a movie set where it's like oh no we're making the new bond film here now that's all all that stuff was gone we had to tear it down so yeah i don't know like being raised in uh dark city remember that old movie yes people go and sleep at night and they wake up it's a whole new city they don't remember where they are it's completely different um so yes uh thank you for you having think, me well thank you for being on this i mean you know i've known you for so long you're one of the funniest people i know i don't know if that's good or bad but yeah i think it's the way the way the inflection goes in that sentence but yeah that's fine <laughs> I don't, it's the sort of thing I'd love you to say unless you're on trial. And then it'd be like, yo, Mr. <laughs> Beltry, hey, he's one of the fun. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Let me see how I can say this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, know, I, had uh, do, uh, I had to do jury duty just recently. You did? And, they chose oh, yeah. you? Well, I came this close. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy who was getting, who was on trial, right? He was on trial for basically approaching young girls in a car and asking them for sex right oh this guy you know everybody was all masked up this guy thought i don't need to wear a mask they need to see my face <laughs> i also don't need a lawyer because i think i can represent myself <laughs> much better i've, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've seen and, la law yeah, yeah exactly what? at one point you know they start asking questions actually the prosecutor starts asking questions of the various jurors prospective jurors yeah and he gets to me <laughs> and this is where i screwed up because <laughs> i said that mr mr juror number blah 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 uh do you think you can be unbiased in this uh in this proceeding 
Me? Unbiased? Of course I can be unbiased. Uh, no problem. I'm the most unbiased person you know. Not that you know me, but I I literally will not think about a thing during the trial unless, of course, something pops into my head like one of those SVU episodes. They, they yeah. throw things off. And that's when I got kicked I can't. I honestly... <laughs> I honestly can't imagine that they would allow you to do this like that. No. That's that, that like, I, I just, I know you well. So the idea that you should come in, I mean, they, they you should have walked in and they should be like, ah, oh, thank you, sir. And that should have been it. Uh, they started having jury duty here again. I, I heard it was all virtual, but they still made you wait. And I was like, well, why would you need to wait? virtually that seems crazy but they still somehow made you be by your computer or something all day i don't know how it worked in, in vancouver it's not virtual you actually have to go in it would have we have such a we have such a high amount of anti-vaxxers here that they don't give a shit about anything so so and it's a small little room we're all masked i actually was sitting up towards the front where the clerk was sitting and a guy comes walking in he looks at the room he scans it he's got his mask on he looks, he says to the clerk, I, 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 I can't sit in here. I, no, this is a COVID trap. I can't sit in here. <laughs> and I was like, I thought to myself, shit, he's right. I should have, I, I should have thought of that. <laughs> That's COVID trap. That's got to be a new thing to call somebody. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I met her on Bumble, but she is kind of a COVID trap, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I live in a place that everybody wore their mask almost all the time. And then speaking of Kansas city, my mother would go to, uh, you know, buy something at a store and unmasked people behind her would just start coughing on her, like within a foot of her, just start coughing on her. And then when she turned around, they smiled for two reasons. One, they were Caucasian. And two, they had guns because everyone in Kansas City gets to carry guns everywhere they go all the time, no matter what. So um, so then her husband, uh, before he before he passed, of course, uh, wore two guns at some point. He, he thought that would be better, um, which then made the Old West thing just happen where everybody's got two guns and they're walking around coughing on each other. So which is perfect. So, yeah, the America. bullets or the germs. <laughs> what, 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 yeah. What, what. This is my first, my first defense. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't believe it happened until I went to visit her, and then people started doing it to me, and then that oh was, God. that was awesome. Um, because from the back, I, I believe I still appear live. Uh, and and supple and so at least one person assumed i was a woman uh, mostly because my hair is long so in kansas city that means you're a girl and then i turned around and i was a black guy um and at that point i had a black mask on and i did i looked as much like black panther as a human being can in real life and so i at least scared two rednecks that actually jumped and realized you know <laughs> um so thank you marvel thanks for that um so yeah man um First of all, I love the cartoons that you're doing. I love the strips. It's great storytelling. I don't know. It just It's just perfect. It's a perfect kind of melding of that genre and putting it together. And so I, I applaud you for, for doing that. So so that family uh, history cartoon, right? So yes. I knew it was going to be problematic to begin with, to, to try to condense that story down to four panels. Right. Right. And, um, you know, the, the editor at the nib was like, well, just do it like this. And I'm like, and I created and i was like okay 
let's roll it out there and see what happens. <laughs> and uh, so I posted it up on Reddit, and it was just like, oh, this should bring me back a fair amount of polarized hatred. <laughs> you know, so it's exactly what happened. I've got a I've got a combination of reactions that go from one end to people that are understanding it and are adults and realize there's more to the story than just what four panels of a cartoon can really right. all the way over to people who are calling me a dick a c- and a villain. <laughs> I'm a villain. Oh, you know, I was. I hope. I hope the National Cartoonist Society has uh, some sort of villainy award that I can put myself in for this year. I do. I do like. I do like that you're both a dick and a, cunt, which shows a yes. staggering amount of wokeness for you, and really, really does allow you to amuse yourself in in many ways that others would find impossible. So good Why for you. Why are you married if that's the case? Jeez. What the hell? Jeez. I was just. I got. I, you can have it all. That's that's what it's saying. <laughs> that's what that proves. I I love the fact that we're in a country where anybody can say whatever they want. Um, I think I still think that's a good thing. I grew up in Kansas City again, where you know there, there were you know clan people and and you know other people, and everybody said whatever they wanted. But I think we all, I think we all learn to kind of get along um, on a basic principle that. Uh, we could have a, an enemy that was someone else. So the two times I saw the most humanity growing up were when the Yankees were against the Royals in the World Series. And no matter who you were, you you were part of Kansas City at that point, and you hated New York. That was the that was the thing. That was it. Didn't matter who you were. You all got along because you and I can agree that we hate that guy more. And I grew up thinking that that's how America worked. It's like, we don't like each other, but there's always someone that we can agree that we don't like more. Um, and so- um, That's exactly the basis the country was built upon. That's the dream. <laughs> I know. What was the point where we were going with this? I don't know. I mean, you, you had said I'm driving down the road. I have yeah. no idea where the road is. You just said you just said American. You had said that American comedy kind of you know where people got their their viewpoint of com- comedy, like where yeah, people. What are, what are your there. comedic influences? Their comic background. So again, my comedy influence. Thank God for editing. This is going to be great. Okay. Oh yeah. This will be the I beginning no of the podcast. This is going to be the beginning of the podcast. This will be great. <laughs> so my comedy influences are uh, definitely Monty Python. Um, uh, the Goon Show, um, Jonathan Winters, who I thought was my dad when I was a kid, like that, I I bonded with Jonathan Winters in a way that nobody else. That was great, um, and and I really did love um, when Robin Williams started. Robin, the early work of Steve Martin, Robin Williams, and Eddie Murphy were all amazing because they all told stories in different ways. Um, Steve Martin was a hundred percent a character and told everything through this character. He's hyper-intelligent, hyper-educated, and told everything through this com- you know, complete clown character he made up, which is amazing. Um, Richard Pryor told real stories of real things that had actually happened to him that were just you know, kind of harsh to even hear, but he told them you know, completely honestly and openly. And then Robin Williams was somewhere in the middle where he was telling real, real things, but he was kind of the character at the same time telling them, you know, where it was just this very strange kind of middle. But all of those I thought were very powerful. Um, my grandfather was a judge. So he, he really drilled into me the fact that when you're in a courtroom and you're a judge, you're listening to stories. 
you are not a detective. You are not out, you know, being canon or Mannix and trying to find, you know, going under people's cars and looking for, you know, paint chips. You are listening to two people tell you stories. And then you and a group of yahoos they've selected from the community are all going to decide which story makes sense and which story is told better. And I asked him, I said, but what if somebody's a horrible storyteller? He goes, yeah, that happens. And as a judge, you want to say, hmm, but did they go in? But you can't say it. You can't, you just have to wait and try to hope somebody's going to say, you know, hey, you know, maybe you should say he wasn't in the building because it sounds like he wasn't in the building. Um, and so I realized that the power of stories and telling them is, is really where everything is. And if I've used anything over my entire life to get me through um, all the different places I've been, um, I, I think it's that storytelling idea, the idea that you can bond with somebody if you start talking about something that they care about and then they will bounce back something to you. Um, you know, walk in a room and look around and ask about something. And then that starts a conversation that they feel completely comfortable with because it's about them. Being in Kansas, San Francisco, New York, the advertising world, each of these places have different influences that they put into your comedic style. Yeah. And, uh, and I always thought that was interesting. And, and, and yeah, you're right. In terms of travel and experience, that has a huge impact on how you start to view things as humorous or ridiculous or just necessary of satire. <laughs> well, very, very often the things that, um, the things that you laugh at laugh again is this release a, a laugh is 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 a trigger that that kind of get, gives you a, a break um it's it's that break in the clouds or it's that hot day where that shower comes down for a little bit um and it just goes away again blackhead 1960s 70s there there are a couple of clouds and hot days that were not going to stop if you experienced racism or if you experienced depression or if you just had that thing where you you knew you were always going to be behind somebody that was the way things were and there was no never going to be any way around that and that's it was better for you than it was for your parents or your grandparents so don't complain about it it's just this is the way it's going to be so then you you couldn't, you know, I lived in a place where you would love to say things. I mean, I would love to walk down a street and say something to that cop or talk to that shop owner or yell at that old lady or or whatever. And that would get you killed 150 percent. So that's how you died. And if a guy died by that, we didn't have a lot of marches for it. We were just like, well, he should have kept his mouth shut, which I understand that's the wrong thing. But that was the way it was. But you could make fun of people. You can make fun of people like that if you were in a group, maybe after they left, but you could heal your group a little bit by saying something that would make your group laugh and take that away and take that shame of it away or whatever. You could um, you could always bring, like I said, laughs to power and make it so that um, you kind of equaled it that way. You could also make fun of people to their face if they were mean, if they didn't understand what you were doing. And if you did something above their experience and that was fun so there there was one store that wouldn't let it didn't like to have black kids come into it at, at all but it was a very fancy fancy store so uh, there was a friend of mine who we had a, a exchange student and the exchange student was from france and they um said oh i'd love to go in that store i said yeah they, they don't like no i i you can go in probably but i, I don't know 
And the Cuban's like, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll go over. And they heard him speaking French and oh my God, they just, oh, please French. Oh, please come in. Blah. So the next time we were in the mall, my friends and I were in, and he wasn't there. We just made up a language and walked in and somebody said, and somebody talked to me as if I was an exchange student. They ushered me right in. I went around, they showed me, it was like a flipping art gallery or something, you know, in the mall. And I was like, oh, and dude, where is, where is he from? Is he royalty? We can't say that, but he's, he's, you know, he's, he's here he's interested in the art oh and they completely fell for it <laughs> and i felt almost i almost felt guilty about that you see i still remember it you know 45 years later or whatever but um but it was it was it was lying but it worked so well and i was so happy about it it just showed that that sort of keeping yourself open and not attacking all the time but having humor as that it was a coping mechanism it was and and I think that now I've been accused of trying to be funny at times and I'm not trying at all to be funny. I'm just, I'm legitimately talking. That's all I'm doing. I am talking the way we talk in the house all the time. Um, and so now it's myself and my wife and my daughter and we all talk like this. So we will go out somewhere and we'll start talking and we'll talk in funny voices and we'll make funny, you know, and we don't know we're doing, we're just like, you know, talking like oh and people look at us like like yeah we're the special oh the michaels are here oh it's the michaels girl oh yeah well okay yeah well definitely i can see that uh fatherhood is has played and molded your your sense of humor a bit more too yeah um kids uh, i remember um <laughs> you know that first year you you don't remember what sleep is for a while or whatever and it's great and she's she was a great kid she slept and was eight and did great human things that i know other kids don't do it's great um but at one point i remember she was kind of walking she must have been nine months old she was kind of kind of moving around walking and she dropped something and she fell and she starts crying and i'm like honey 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 now there's no need for this this isn't the worst thing to happen to you in your whole life i was like wait a minute you're nine months old this could indeed be the worst thing to happen. Okay, go ahead. Let it out. That's fine. I'm sorry. I didn't have the I didn't have the scale there. You're right. This could be the worst thing to ever happen to you. You're right. Crap. You're just starting. Wow, that's gonna suck. Um, and it's been fun watching her grow up because she, you know, seeing her finally get to the point where it's so bad thing happened to her. She's like, Oh, it's not as bad as that. I'm like, good job. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's I, I really worried that I told my wife, you know, we're pretty we're pretty happy here. I'm worried that is going to grow up in this Pollyanna weirdness and, and not be able to cope with the world. I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm worried that she's going to grow up in a, in a world and a time that's just so perfect that who do we elect to what do we, who? <laughs> oh, oh, she's fine. She's fine now. Yeah. She's okay now. She's fine. <laughs> yeah, this is right. She's fine. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess you're right in terms of the, the metaphor for uh, growing up. <laughs> preparing yourself for everything is basically you start out as a little kid you're on the ground and somebody's sitting there just shoveling horseshit on top of you as <laughs> 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 you grow oh, that doesn't seem to be oh that's uh, i'm getting used to that now now what oh hot coals excellent Actually, it's <laughs> I, was, I tried to i tried to make black history about fun because i i just i don't like the idea that black history month is you know i like to do it in march and call it you know black future month or something but black history month started and we tried to show things about black history month and every year she's just like 
Black History is sad. And I was like, honey, it's not. No, it's not. No, let's let's listen to Ella Fitzgerald. There's Black History. That's gonna be greater. Let's let's watch this. So I keep trying to do stuff, but I keep also wanting her to know some, you know, and I've talked to her. We had long talks about different stuff. But um I tried to show her the film, part of the film, Watermelon Man. Mm. Uh, because Watermelon Man is is a hilarious thing where a white man uh of of not too scrupulous uh, racial uh, uh social skill wakes up and he is a african-american 100 percent, and then has to live as an african-american after that um and you know i i just remember it as being very funny and so when he turns to a black guy and then he goes back and tries to do everything and everybody starts being mean to him i chuckle and i turn to my daughter and she just looks like legitimately like i ate the last twinkie she's just like hmm I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, why is everybody treating him like that? I said, because he's black. Oh, black history. And she said it under under her voice. And I was like, <laughs> dude, no. Oh, no, that's not what I mean. That's no, it's not the point. It's like, I mean, it is, but uh, yeah, okay, fine. Let's do it. So it, it was really hard to try to get, wow. you know. I never thought about that. I mean, that movie is, Godfrey Cambridge was amazing in that movie. Oh, genius. And, and just, there's so many things that that were just satired all the the white world of yes was just like it was it was so and it was very again it was very honest it did it it made you laugh because it was very honest but it yeah it was it was racism you you know we are not allowed to watch uh any peanuts related programming because my daughter when she was four years old four or five watch the charlie brown christmas special because she's four and it's christmas and i'm an american and she said why are they making fun of that bald boy (laughs) and my wife goes well he's charlie brown wait what do you mean i don't understand why everyone's making fun of him that doesn't seem fair well i they're not well they well they i don't think this is very nice Everyone seems to be a bully and I don't want to watch this. And she got up and walked to her room and I was like, holy, what the damn. So we don't, we're done. That, that, that's how that went. There's just, she does not approve of this sort of thing in any context. She is done. And it was, you know, it was great. It's good to see her stand up for herself in that. And then she does that on the playground where, you know, little kids or kids bigger than her get bullied and she'd walk up and squash that. She would just, she would squash it. But the thing I was most proud of, this is my, one of my proudest dad moments in my entire life. Went to go pick up my kid at school and in the after school, <laughs> they go, Mr. Michaels, oh, listen, we're very sorry, but the kids were laughing at Hera. It's like, oh, why? Well, Hera dropped her hat and then she went to pick it up and she tripped and she kicked it forward. And then she tried to pick it up again and she tripped and she kicked it forward again and she couldn't pick it. And the children were laughing. They were all laughing at her. And I said, that's a bit. <laughs> that's a bit? What? No, no. It's a, it's a bit. It's a comedy. It's a bit. It's Charlie Chaplin. You know Charlie Chaplin? Who? It's a, she, it's okay. She did it on purpose. <laughs> Laughing was good. That's what she was going for. But I just, I just saw that she had uh, maybe some sort of walking problem. No, she doesn't. No, she did that to make the children laugh. It's okay. I'll go get her and buy her some ice cream now because that was great. And I'm glad she pulled it off. 
and she did. She did the Charlie. She calls him the funny man with this. She called him the funny man with the stick because it's Charlie Chaplin. But she, yeah, at, at six years old, she could do a perfect hat drop, and per- it was just great. Um, and keep it going. And that made me very happy. I just Please. tear up right now thinking about it. <laughs> that that was if if I am going to teach my kid something, that's that's what I taught my kid. That's what she goes. Well, my dad taught me this. And that works. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Moving on now. Uh, what do you say we talk about your project, Steve? Hey. I know you're a man of many things. Always constantly I, in the world. I am. I'm. I'm very excited that uh, the Cabs Everywhere Creative Production House is in full production. Uh, we are creating a series of uh, songs and music and uh, comedic essays called uh, the Litradio Mutuals. Litradio is our publishing house. It's always literature and radio and music and stuff all mixed together. And so I've been putting stuff together uh, for a while. We just published our first piece. It's called Harrison Bay. And it is a poem that I wrote for my wife uh, around 9-11 to try to make her feel better. I put an original score to it and made this whole original score and we put it together. And so that's the first one. So we're going to come up with about four more and then we're going to release them. We're going to release them in... Uh, I believe that's May. We're going to start releasing them. And they're called the Mutuals because Charlie Chaplin did these things called the Mutuals where he did one every month and then put them into mutual theaters. And so we're trying to do about one a month and, and put them out. And then at the end of the year, we're going to have a show where we display all of them or perform some of them and then do some other ones as well. So where can people find these online? So people can find it on iTunes. If you look for JD Michaels on, on the old iTunes. And then if you go to litradio.com, which is L-I-T-R-A-E-D-I-O.com is where all of the poetry and stuff is going up right now. And that will have announcements um, coming up in May as to where you can purchase stuff. You can also check on iTunes. Uh, If you check on iTunes under J.D. Michaels, it's there as well. So, yeah, uh, we're trying to put out again. We're trying to offset uh, anger and ridiculous silliness and just make something that's on the other side of that. We're trying to put together a comedy album, which I don't think has been done for a while, a comedy album, like kind of the, in the mood of the National Lampoon albums that they used to do when they had the National Lampoon radio show. So we're trying to put together an album with different people contributing. And we're going to do that. We were going to do that for a fundraiser. Um, I didn't know what we were going to raise funds for. We might try to do it this month and raise funds for Ukraine. That would be kind of what I'd really love to do. But, um, but just trying to raise funds, uh, with again with laughter and and trying to you know give people a little bit of a break i don't say make people happy i think that's way too big a goal i think i think just give people a little bit of a break that's all that's all i'm really trying to do so thank you for uh for asking to talk to me this is this is fun that was great it was great catching up with you yeah a long time since we it's good to say hi and and, and, the last time Last time we talked was maybe like at the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. yes. <laughs> I remember. I remember oh, talking, about, going on. talking about how those four months were going to be unbearable. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. In one sentence, the three elements that make good comedy. Let's see. Empathy, perspective, and timing. Very good. Those are mine. You, you passed. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, well, I'll be in touch, my friend. Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you so much. You I'll have see a great if day. I can make something out of what we That's do. cool. Talk to you soon, man. Bye-bye. Bye. If you're listening to this on some other podcast platform, I suggest you pop on over to erflynn.substack.com and subscribe to my weekly comics. If you become a paid subscriber, you'll get immediate access to paid content as well as swag and any printed comics. Check it out at erflynn.substack.com.